I'm going to tell you a story, something that happened in my, uh, my family last week, and I'm telling you this because I'm hoping that you can relate. I'm hoping that you kind of go, yep, that's, we, we, that happens in our home. That. So even if you hear this and you go, nope, that's never, I need you to nod along just so I don't feel like a total weirdo, okay? So last Saturday, uh, a week ago, I was, I was out in the garage doing some, some work, and uh, Sarah and the boys were inside. I, I came in around 10 o'clock in the morning, and I just ran into this wall of tension, okay? It, d- emotions are high. There, there are tears. There are red faces. There are raised voices. And I walk into this, and I'm like, what is going on? Well, he said, and then she told me, and then they're not listening, and, and it was just this whole thing. And, and so I, I walk in, and I'm like, okay, I've got some options here. There, there are things I can do. And my gut instinct, you know, that, that fight or flight, that, that lizard brain thing is going, turn around and walk away. Like, just get out. They'll figure it out. I mean, they'll probably all still be alive when you come back. Just, just walk away now. Uh, I, I also ha- have like this, okay, I've sp- got to pick a side here. And I've been married long enough to know which side to pick, right? It's not even a question. It's like... Okay, your mom's right, you're all stupid, let's just do what she says, okay? And I, I, there was part of me that wanted to just, just lay down the law and be like the, the authority and like, everyone shut up and just get over yourselves and do what your mom said. Like that's kind of, I wanted to have that reaction. But I, I mean, I could have made it worse. I could have, I could have just avoided it altogether. Um, but I didn't do any of those things. I did something different. I'll explain a, a little bit later because... I have, I have been on kind of a, a, a journey over the past year, but really more the last six weeks or so, um, studying a part of, of who I am that I'm not used to studying, to, to really diving in deep to this, this thing that I think is really important uh, as, as someone who wants to follow Jesus, but just as a human being on this planet that I don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about. And we, we spend a lot of time thinking about our, our health, don't we? Many of you think a lot about your physical health, about eating uh, the right things and exercising. And you, you don't just think about it. You, you actually make hard choices uh, and you spend money, you know, maybe for a gym membership or classes so that you can be physically healthy. We spend a lot of time thinking about our intellectual health. M- most of us spend at least 12 years in school. or thir- Is it 13 with kindergarten? I never get it right. And, or, or more than that, like some of you 16 years, some of you 17, some of you, your parents are going, are they ever going to graduate? And all of this investment, and it's a lot of time, and it's a lot of money that we invest in our intellectual health. But you know what psychologists and business leaders will tell us now is the greatest indicator of your potential for success, the greatest factor in your performance is not your physical health, it's not your IQ It's not your GPA, it's not your test scores, it is your emotional health. Your emotional health is the greatest indicator of whether you're going to be a successful and a a high-performance person. Now, if that's true in in the business or education world, is it possible that that's also true in the spiritual sense? So, so many of you here today, you, you said at some point, you signed up to say, I want to follow Jesus with my whole life. That's what I want to do. And is it possible that, that we, we focus a lot of time on, on head knowledge and getting a lot of Bible stuff in here? 
which is a good thing. And we focus uh, a lot on, on doing the right things and making sure that we, we, we try not to do bad things and we try to do good things. But is it possible that sometimes we neglect what could be the greatest indicator of our ability to reflect Christ to the world? And that is our emotional health. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, let me, I'll just, I'll tell you what he said. Just give me a second. Some of you are like, well, what? He said, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. There's something inside of many of us that if we really just stopped and think about it, we'd push back against that. We'd go, no, no, no. That, that stuff comes from up here. I make decisions with my brain, and that's why bad things happen. Maybe you've been in one of those situations where, where you just said something that you can't believe came out of your mouth, or you, you did something, and you're, you're stepping back and looking at it like you're a different person going, who is that? What, who, who am I? And you ask yourself, where did that come from? You know what Jesus would say? It came from your heart. That, that what's going on in here is, is what determines what we do out there. In fact, Solomon made this perfectly clear in uh, a line from Proverbs chapter 4. And this is going to be our, our key verse for this whole series and our, our memory verse. And I don't want you just to memorize it up here. I want you to, I want you to bury this down deep. So we're going to say this together out loud in English. Are you ready? Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. If you're like me, especially if you're a guy, you're kind of going, no, it doesn't. My heart doesn't determine the course of my life. I, I am a person who makes decisions based on reason and logic. That's why I do what I do. And my emotions have nothing to do with it. Well, Solomon would say you're wrong. And, and any psychologist worth their salt would say you're wrong. You don't actually make decisions up here. Most of your decisions come from an emotion. You make a decision based on an emotion, and then we use our brains to justify the decision that we already made in our hearts. Some of you are like, yep, I've seen you do that. You're elbowing somebody right now. I've seen you do that. You made an emotional decision, and then you started coming up with all the rational reasons why that emotional decision is the right one. That's what we do. So that's why Solomon says these words. And we're going to read it again because I want you to bury it down deep. Are you with me? You can choose a different language this time if you like. Here we go. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Above all else, above your intellect, ab above your physical health, above everything else. You need to guard your heart because that is where your decisions come from. That's where your life flows out of. It's like, it's like what Jesus said. It's, it's out, of, out of the heart that these things come. And our problem is that we, we don't think about our emotions. We, we kind of treat it as though uh, there's, really, there's really nothing we can do until there's a crisis, and if we have an emotional crisis, like our, our world is falling apart, 
then, then we go to the emotional crisis emergency room, the, the version of that, you know, which, which, which could be somebody who can prescribe some medicine for our emotions or, or somebody who, who, who can talk us through like a counselor or a therapist. And we think like, okay, that's how I deal with my emotions. If things get bad enough, I'll go see somebody. But that, it, that process is kind of like if you did the same with your physical health, you, you, you would eat whatever you want. You would never exercise. You wouldn't take care of your body in any way, and you would just wait until you had a heart attack, and then you would hope that you got to the hospital fast enough before it was too late. Like, does that make any sense? Is that the way you, would, you should care for your body? But that's what we do with our emotions. That's what we do with our heart. We, we, don't, we don't pay any attention to it until there's a crisis, and we hope we can get to somebody who can help us before it's too late. What if there are some steps between ignoring our emotions and needing to go to the emergency room. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be helpful if there are some steps in between? I believe that there are. So I've been, uh, our staff read this book uh, about a year ago called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. There are copies of that book out here on a table. I would love for you to grab one. They're $5. Uh, There are a couple more books out there I'll tell you about in a minute. But reading that book, and then I I started reading it again uh, about two months ago, and going through some of the other materials and, and diving into scripture about this subject, I, I've, I've really become convinced that I need, there are some steps I need to be taking so that I don't get to a crisis point. And this is what I want for you too, because I'm convinced that if we're going to be the people that God created us to be, if we're going to live the lives of peace and joy and purpose that we were created to live, that we have got to pay attention to our emotional health. So that's, that's what we're going to do through this series, uh, and um, I'll, I'll give you kind of the four pieces of the process that we're going to go through, because it's important that you understand this is a process, like this series is going to kind of build on itself, and so if you're going to miss the next, you know, next week or the next two weeks or whatever, I, I want you to be sure to get, get online and catch these messages, because they all kind of build on each other. So this week we're going to talk about self-awareness, which, which means I, I understand what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling it. Next week, we're going to talk about self-management, which is about applying self-awareness. It's, I can put my needs and wants on hold. The third week, social awareness, which means I can perceive what others think and feel without letting my own emotions get in the way. And the fourth week, relational management, which is applying social awareness, which is I can communicate clearly with others and manage conflict well. Now, many of you are going, Gosh, really? You're some of, there's some eye rolls happening and you're trying to hide it, but you're like, can you just tell me like a story from the Bible? Do we have to go through this? Like, emo- I don't want to talk about my emotions. You know, I, that's not what I come to church for. But my guess is when you walk into your home and you feel that tension wall, that in that moment, you're wishing you had some tools in your tool belt to help you handle that in a really healthy way. Am I right? We need those things. In the moment, we need those things. Where are we going to get them? Where else are you looking for help with emotional health? Okay, I didn't think so. So we're going to do it here. Are you ready? This is, this is what we're going to do. So let's, let's talk about self-awareness, which is the ability to understand what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling it. And I want to I point out two men from the Old Testament uh, that I think we can, we can learn from. So the first one is a man named King Saul. Now, now Saul was the first king of Israel. God chose him and said, you're going to be the first one to wear a crown over the nation of Israel. And if you read the story of 
Saul. You can read this in 1 Samuel, so if you want to go back and get this history, I encourage you to do that. Saul, you can see some moments in his life that make you believe that he was driven by his emotions. Like Saul would have these really strong and high emotions, and then he would react to those impulsively, and he would do some destructive things. For, for instance, a young man comes in to play the harp for him when he's not feeling well, and he gets this just mood of jealousy over this young man, so he grabs a spear and chucks it at him. Like, that's Saul, right? And, and so he kind of goes through his life kind of reacting to these strong emotions. And so he, he develops this jealousy for this young man named David, who is just more successful and seems to be a better leader. And this jealousy and this envy and this fear and insecurity Anger, this drives him. So when you read the last few chapters of 1 Samuel, towards the end of Saul's life, you, you just see this really destructive pattern. So the, the nation of Israel is at war with the Philistines kind of always. Like there's just this ongoing battle, but it, it scales up and down depending on how people are feeling at the time. And so th this is a time when the Philistines are just attacking Israel on their borders all the time. And Saul's job as king is to protect the nation from their enemies, the Philistines. But instead of fighting the Philistines, Saul is so upset about David. He's so jealous and so insecure and so afraid that David is going to steal his crown that he spends all of his time trying to chase David down and kill him. Like he just is chasing David through the desert for years, trying to find him so he can kill him, so he can have some peace. He thinks that's going to bring him peace, when the whole time he's neglecting his responsibility to protect the nation. And, and finally, it comes to a breaking point where the Philistines are amassing this huge army, and they're going to attack, and Saul has to pay attention to this. So he needs to go into battle, but the person who always told him when to go into battle, this prophet named Samuel, well, Samuel's dead. And Saul, he's so insecure in his leadership, he had to always go to Samuel and say, tell me what to do. What does God want me to do? I, I, don't know how to, I don't know how to understand God's will. But Samuel's dead, so he doesn't know who to go to. So he comes up with this idea that you're going to think I'm making up, but it's in the Bible, I promise. First Samuel, towards the end, just read it. He finds a witch. He says, I heard, I heard that you can communicate with the dead. Is that true? And she kind of goes, uh... Who are you and why are you asking? Because it's illegal to do that. And he goes, it's okay, I'm the king, and I need you to communicate with the dead. And she's like, all right, king, who do you want me to talk to? He said, I want you to, to bring up the spirit of Samuel. I've got a question for him. And she's like, all right. So she actually brings the spirit of Samuel there so Saul can have this conversation. And Saul says, should I go to battle against the Philistines? And Samuel's like, seriously? This, you brought me back for this? Like, why are we having this conversation? Like, you, you, God has already decided you're not his man anymore. Like, you don't, it doesn't matter what God thinks about this. You need to go and do your own thing and leave me alone. I was taking a nap. So, so Saul goes off to fight the Philistines, and in this battle, he dies. And that's the end. He lived his whole life just kind of reacting to fear and anger and insecurity in ways that destroyed his relationships with people. It ruined his position as a leader because he, he didn't know what to do with these emotions. Now, let's look at David, on the other hand. David is this young man who, who, who is very bold, and he goes and fights these battles, and he's, he is God's man, and he's going to win these battles for the Lord. But, but David uh, is also experiencing some intense emotions, in fact, David is experiencing the same kinds of emotions that Saul was, fear 
and anger and insecurity. You see these show up in his life over and over again. And yet, when we think about David, we think very positively. In fact, David was called a man after God's own heart. So what's the difference? It's not that they experienced different emotions. It's that that what they did with those emotions was very different. Saul, remember, he just reacted kind of impulsively. He let these emotions drive him. What does David do? Well, David wrote songs. And, And I want to read to you a little bit from one of the songs that David wrote. It's called Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cried by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. Not sure what that means. It sounds bad. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Is David experiencing, like, is he just a happy person all the time? Is is all this stuff really good and positive? No, David feels alone. He feels rejected by God. He's afraid of what's going to happen. But what is he doing? He's he's getting these emotions out. He's talking about them. He's expressing them through his songwriting. And I think it's this healthy analysis and expression of emotion that sets David apart from Saul. He stops and deals with what he's feeling, right? And then he can end this psalm in a very different way. Look, look at verse 22, 23, the same song. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All offspring of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. Praise, praise God. Wait, wait, David, I thought you were mad at God. I thought you and God were at odds with each other. I thought you felt rejected by God. David said, yeah, I, I was, I, I did. But I, I, I process this, I kind of know where to put this, there's a good place for this, and, and I can turn my attention back to what I'm supposed to be doing with my life, and that is giving glory to God. This is self-awareness. This is the ability to t- take our emotions and set them out on the table and examine them and say, here's what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling it, and finding a healthy place to put that. Because the, the truth is, I, I think many of us were taught to see emotions as either good or bad. I was kind of raised in a, uh, in a place, this is my emotional baggage. Uh, you have some, it's just not visible. Um, so I, I was kind of raised in an environment where I knew of two emotions, happy and mad. That's kind of like all I knew how to feel. And since we, I was raised in a Christian home and we really valued joy, and happiness, then I, I kind of felt like happiness is good and anything else, like mad, is bad. And so try to be happy all the time. The problem was I would get mad. And I didn't know what to do with that because I'm not supposed to be mad. So I would feel guilty and ashamed of being mad. I, I was not supposed to cry because I was a boy who's, who's growing into a man. And men don't cry. You don't get hurt. Like you, you rub some dirt on it and move on, right? That's what, that's what we're told, right? And so I was told, you, you know, you don't, boys don't cry, but I would cry. And, and when I would cry because I got hurt, I would, I would feel guilty and ashamed. Like I, 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 This is not who I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be tough. And, and I didn't know what to do with all these emotions, but I'm carrying this stuff around, and I think, I think you're carrying some stuff around too. In fact, you, you, you probably try to check it at the door on Sunday mornings. 
That's, that's what you do. In fact, that's the whole process of getting here for some of you. It's this tense like, okay, by the time we walk in the doors, we have to be smiling. So everybody, get your act together. Let's make it happen. We're going to check our, our emotional baggage at the door. Because what we tend to do, because we're not taught or trained in our lives what to do with these emotions, we stuff them down in this bag and we hope that we don't have to look at them or deal with them and that nobody sees what's in here. The problem is these things are powerful as, as Saul experienced. And, and so what Saul would do is he would just take this bag and whip it around and bang people with it. Just beat people with his emotions because he didn't know what to do with them. And David did something very different. Because for David, it wasn't the emotions that are bad or good. It's how we process them and what we do with them. God gave us our emotions as a gift. Do you realize that? Even the negative ones, even the ones where you feel like, oh, I, I hate feeling this way. I wish I didn't have to feel this way. Your emotions are a gift from God, and they are specifically designed to move you to Him. That's what emotions are for. So if, you, if you've kind of been raised or, or you grew up, grew up thinking that there are some good emotions and some bad emotions, I'm going to try to feel the good ones, and I'm going to feel really guilty when I feel the bad ones. Let me set you free today. All emotion is not, it's not good or bad. It's, it's something that is supposed to move you towards God, and if it moves you towards God, it's good no matter how bad it feels, okay? So we've got our emotional baggage, and we're going we're gonna to do some self-awareness. Step one is examine it. We're going to take it out and look at it, okay? The problem is we don't know what to call it usually. We just go, oh, I just don't feel right. You know, I don't, I don't feel right. I don't, I don't know what that means, and I don't know, I don't know the words for it. So uh, I want to share a tool with you that can help you. And again, I'm going to get some eye rolls from some gentlemen, but this is called the feelings wheel. How many of you are pumped about the feelings wheel? Yes. Oh, it's so good. All right, you're like, what are we in, preschool? Yes, you are in emotional health preschool, and so you're going to take the feelings wheel, and you're going to like it. So uh, there, there are more emotions than happy or mad. There, there are hundreds of emotions, and we need to train ourselves to identify them. So what you do with this wheel is you start in the center where there are some six kind of basic categories. Well, am I... Am I sad? Am I mad? Am I, am I scared? And then when you pick that one, you kind of move in that quadrant out to the, uh, the next circle. And that gives you some more specific words to begin to identify what you're feeling. And then the goal is to get to the outer circle where you can get really specific about what you're feeling. And there's some even blanks in the outer circle. So if, that, if the word you're looking for is not there, you can, you can write it in. This process is really important. If we're going to be able to, to do something healthy and let our emotions move us towards God, we've got to understand what they are. So uh, there are feelings wheels available uh, on printed paper out there in the lobby. Uh, grab one. Uh, make, make it just, the, it'll just be the most fun family lunch you've had in a long time. Just sit down and say, all right. Well, here's the thing, though. We have to practice this when our emotions are pretty even. Right? You have to practice it when you don't need it. Because you're not, like, if you get really mad, you're not going to be like, oh, I'm so mad, where's that feelings wheel? <laughs> you're not going to do that. So you've got to practice ahead of time, processing, understanding what it is that you're feeling. So when you really need it, you'll kind of know what to do. Because in the moment, you're not going to reach for this piece of paper, I promise. And if your spouse tries to hand it to you, they're going to get punched. So, like, just <laughs> practice ahead of time, okay? What am I feeling and why? Why is that in there? 
I, I need to go through the process of asking, why am I so upset? So we're going to do some of that when we talk about the next step, which is to shelve it. Shelve it. Yes, it says shelve it. Okay, um, sorry. <laughs> so here's the process of knowing what I'm supposed to do with this. Because everything doesn't require a reaction or a response from me. Not everything requires that I do something. Although that's kind of what we want to do. When our emotions get up, we're like, what am I going to do? I've got to do something. I need to, I need to hit something or I need to run away or I need to like... But not every emotion requires that kind of response, so we need to know what to do, where to put these. So we're going we're gonna to dig into our, our bag. This is Adam's emotional baggage, so this is like therapy for me. It's actually great. So uh, we're going to dig into my emotional baggage, and we're going we're gonna to examine some of these things and talk about them and put them on the shelf, okay? So the first, uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is, uh, is driving. Anybody ever have emotions while you're driving in traffic? No? None of you? Yep. Okay, good. We're all on the same page here, I figure. Because the problem is, no one else drives like you want them to drive. Am I right? Uh, so somebody will cut you off in traffic, and you're like, hello, uh, you know, I'm here. Um, you, got, you got the person that's going like five miles an hour? No, they're actually just going the speed limit. And you're like, what are we doing here? What are we, is this, come on, Grandpa, let's go. Let's get on down the road. And, and so you, you follow uh, as close as you can to encourage them to go faster, right? Isn't that right? Like, I, I can't see your license plate. That's not a problem. I just am trying to encourage you to go faster. Or you're going too slow, and there's somebody encouraging you to go a little faster, just right there. You know, you can't even see them in your rear view, right? And we have some certain emotions about that, don't we? We're like, what? I, I'm... Like, we get angry, and we want to do something. We want to, like, okay, we, we want to correct their driving with our driving, you know? Or we've got some certain, you know, signals that, you, that everyone knows that you can communicate, like how I feel about your driving. It, it's like the one-finger wave, you know? And you're like, I just want you to know. I'm really mad at you right now. But is there, is there a So what I need to do is sit this out on the table and go, why am I so mad about this? Why am I so frustrated about this? Well, it's because you're not driving like I wish you would drive. So then I have to ask, do I always drive like everyone else wishes I would drive? I, I don't always drive like the other passengers in the car with me wish I would drive. I don't always drive like the person whose car I borrowed wishes I would drive. So what do I want in that moment? I want some grace. And so if I want some grace when I don't drive the way other people wish I would, should I show some grace? Yeah. So what am I supposed to do when I get mad? Can I solve the problem of everyone else's driving? No, I can't. There's not anything I can do to make it better. Now, there are some things I can do to make it worse. I grew up learning to drive in Atlanta where you could get shot for trying to correct someone else's driving. I, that's not a joke. So I, I know that you can make it worse, but I cannot make it better. So I'm going to put it on this shelf that we're going to call... Let it go. You just, sometimes you have to let go of this. I have to go, all right, I'm mad and frustrated, but I can't do anything about this. I need to turn this over to God. God knows which drivers are on the highway to heaven and which ones are on the highway somewhere else. I'm going to let him sort it out. It's not my job. There's a lot of scripture that encourages us to let things go. Jesus says, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink or your body, what you will wear. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. 
But in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Let go. You don't need to take action here. You don't need to do anything. You need to understand what you're feeling and why, and you need to put that on the let-go shelf. So the next shelf uh, is, um, has to do with uh, the, the, the categories of things where maybe we, maybe we don't need to just let this go. Maybe there's something else we need to do. And this is the, the, the moments for me when I know, I have a friend I went to college with. We're really close, actually. But for a long time, I, I was just insecure around him because everything I wanted to be good at, he was better than me. You, anybody have a friend like that? It's super annoying. You are, some of you are that friend. And you don't know it because people are trying to be nice. But like I wanted to be good at soccer and he was just way better than me. I wanted to be good at youth ministry and he was just way better than me. And, and I, would, I would feel so insecure. And I had to get to a point because I was comparing myself to him. I was measuring myself to him. Measuring cup. Okay, it's a stretch. You're smart. You'll figure it out. So I was doing all this measuring. I'm measuring myself next to, the, to, next to my friend. And I had to get to a place where um, I had to decide, okay, I need to be aware of this. I can't just let this go. This is a problem. It's, it's causing me to question my identity in Christ. This is a problem. So I need to be aware whenever I'm around him that I have this tendency to feel insecure. And so I need to know that. I need to acknowledge that in my head. I need to be aware of that. So we're going to put that on the be aware shelf. Okay? You need to have a be aware shelf where there are some things where you, you just go, like, I don't, I don't know that there's a solution, but I'm not supposed to let this go because it's causing some problems in here. And the last shelf uh, is, is for times when we, we need to actually do something. We, we need to actually take some action. Uh, yesterday, um, my wife was, was out mowing the grass, like a good wife. And uh, she, I'm sorry, she actually enjoys it. Um, and uh, I'm inside watching baseball, watching the Braves whoop up on the Tigers. And... Uh, <laughs> Listen, everyone's happy at this point, so I don't know what's so funny. She, she texts me and she said, I think rain's coming. I need you to come and help. So uh, my job is to go and get the push mower and do the, do the thing. So I already don't want to go out there, um, but I go get the push mower. And then I'm trying to help, you know, and she's, she's gesturing to me about, like, where I should be going, like, pointing at things. And the first time I was like, okay. I know how to push my leave me alone. The second time, I'm up by the road. She's all the way in the back, and she's gesturing to me. And I'm like, stop it. So she's got these headphones on. She can't, and the lawnmower's running, and my lawnmower's running. She can't hear a darn thing I'm saying, but I am letting her have it. I mean, I'm up in the front, and I'm like, you can't tell me how to mow. I know how to mow the grass. Just leave me alone. Let me mow the grass so I can go back and watch baseball. So she can't hear anything I'm saying, but she knows that I'm saying stuff, Right? Because my face and my hand gestures. Isn't it nice that she can sit up here and laugh about this? <laughs> so so the, these emotions are in me, and I'm going, and because I've been studying that, listen, it's only because I've been paying close attention to this over the last six weeks or so, I was able to go in the house and go, what is wrong with me? Like, there were probably people driving by who couldn't see her in the back. They just saw me in the front yard going... <laughs> Going, what is wrong with this guy? And I'm going, why, why am I doing this? Why do I feel this way? And it was really, it just came down to, 
it was inconvenient. The timing was inconvenient. I didn't want to get up from watching the baseball game and go mow grass. I'm like, that's petty. That's ridiculous. So what do I need to do with that? Do I, should I just let that go? No, because I hurt her. Even though she didn't know what I said and she will never know. <laughs> she knew I was angry with her for no reason. And that was painful. Is this just a be aware thing? No. I have got to do something about this. And so she came and sat down outside, and I went and sat down by her and just said, I'm so sorry. That was so ridiculous. So there are times when you're going to have to take some action. This is the Take Action Shelf. And the action always has to be something that is going to heal a relationship and or move you towards Jesus. There's a lot of action you can take as a result of your emotion that can make things worse. It can break relationships. It can push you away from Jesus. So the action has to be something that comes from this process of going, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling it? And what can I do to make things better? So there are moments when you know that you, you've been at work and you, you lost your cool with somebody and you know if you take that home with you, you're going to take it out on the people when, at home when you get there. What if you just stopped and you go to the person that you yelled at and you say, please forgive me, that was, that was nuts, that was stupid. It doesn't even matter what they say in response. You get to go home with some peace. That, that's what you want, right? Sometimes we need to take action, action that's going to heal relationships and or move us towards Jesus, okay? So this is the process. Examine your emotion. What am I feeling? Why am I feeling it? And where do I put this? Where's a healthy place for me to put this? Uh, here's why this is so important. Because you and I were created to love. That's what you're made for. That's why when Jesus is asked, what's the most important commandment in, in all of God's word? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. The first thing he says is you need to get this right. Love God with all your heart. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And for many of us, the first one, we kind of go, I get it. I should love God. He, he, he created everything after all. He created me. He created the universe. He, he deserves my love. But love people? I mean, God, have you met people? I mean, people are, are a mess. They're not nice. They, they don't love me. And you want me to love them? And he said, yeah, I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. And our, our biggest obstacle to loving our neighbor as ourselves is usually our emotional health. Something in here is not right. And it causes us to act in unloving ways toward ourselves and toward the people around us. So this is not just about you. This is about your opportunity to reflect the nature and character of Jesus Christ to the people in your home. So when they interact with you, they see what the love of God looks like because you've done some work in here and you've gotten healthy emotionally. This is about the people that you work with, the people in your neighborhood, the people you go to school with. Anybody that you come in contact with at any point in your day can benefit from you being emotionally healthy. Your capacity to love your neighbor as yourself begins with you getting emotionally healthy. That's why this matters. It's not just about you, even though this is also for you. Because when you do this, you're going to grow in peace and joy and purpose. I guarantee it. But it's also about the people who are close to you. 
And what, what kind of reflection of Jesus are they seeing? It matters. Can you imagine the impact that an emotionally healthy Cicero fam could make on our community? Man, people start to see God's love is no joke. It's the real deal. Because these people, I mean, they say it, but then they show it. It can change lives. Starts in here. Guard your heart above all else because it determines the course of your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have this morning to come and experience your presence and grow in our understanding of who you are and who you want us to be. And my prayer is that for each of us today that we will take this message and, and allow it to sink in and allow it to make some changes in us that can move us towards emotional health, that can heal relationships in our lives, that can create opportunities for us to share our love of Christ with others. Would you do all of that in us as we just honor you and, and love you with all our hearts, put you first. In Christ's name we pray, amen.